0: Eight years ago, three nerds created a little independent wrestling podcast that could, but over time, that podcast has grown into not just covering wrestling,
1: but all things under the nerd rainbow. From Marvel to the Muppets, from Frank Sinatra to Count Shaka, from Mickey Mouse to
0: CM Punk.
1: Now, here is some combination of Chad, Zach, and Luna, as we welcome you to the IndieCast,
0: All Nerd, all the time, exclusively on the WNR. Yay! Greetings, guys, gals, non-binary, pals. Uh, welcome to the IndieCast. Uh, Chad Allen, Zach Romero, Zach Buddy, how you doing? Doing wonderful, Chad. Thank you for asking. I, I feel like I haven't been on in, like, weeks. Uh, so, uh, well, I guess, welcome back to me. I didn't, yes. I didn't mean to take, a like, a big vacation, but I guess I did. Welcome back um, to I, me. Thank you. Welcome back to me. Uh, so, just Zach and I this week uh, with an After Dark episode. Uh, we're just going to cover a myriad of nerdy and wrestling topics today. Uh, yes. I yes, think exactly. we've, got we've got a, got a few nice things line. on the roster. So.
1: Exactly. A few things on our docket here. However, I would be remiss if I did not start with a derailment.
0: So and I was all set to pause because I figured you were coming with it. So derail away.
1: <laughs> so, uh, Chad, are you familiar with the film character Ernest played by Jim Varney uh, for Five. several decades?
0: Uh, yeah, the the excellent Jim Varney, um, yes. who's actually a much better actor than a lot of people give him, should give him credit for, because all they know him from is Ernest. Um, yes. I've definitely seen Ernest Goes to Camp. I'm pretty sure I've seen Ernest Scared Stupid. Um, and I think those might be the only Ernest movies I've seen. And I remember, nope. like, the commercials and stuff back in the day. No Ernest Saves Christmas? I might have seen that one, too. That That might be the third one I've seen. So, uh
1: good that you are familiar with Jim Varney, uh the 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 man who played Ernest. Now if you wouldn't mind checking the Indiecast group chat real quick, I oh, have sent no. something your
0: way. Okay, hold on. So, as you're pulling that up, <laughs> my question <laughs> that I have is, uh-huh. Why was young Jim Varney so hot? Hey, he is he is goddamn dreamy. You are not kidding on that one.
1: He's got the pierced ear. He's got, like, the modern fuckboy haircut. He's got the jaw long. Like, why was Ernest hot as fuck when he was a young
0: man? I mean, quite honestly, he may have been hot as fuck as an old man, too. He was just always in character shit. So, I don't know. I, he wasn't that goddamn hot. I'll tell you that
1: much. <laughs> The troll in fucking Ernest Scared Stupid wasn't like, hey, I'll suck that dick instead. How about that? Like, no, no.
0: <laughs> hey, Vern, suck this. Uh... <laughs> That's
1: the edgy reboot of Ernest. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. So hey. I just I discovered that this week and I am deeply, deeply disturbed by it.
0: This also does remind me how many people have compared John Cena lately to a. Uh... To Jim Varney in. in recent, he is becoming
1: uh, a little more Varney-ish as he uh, as he gets older. Uh, he is. That is true.
0: So, uh, Zach, I'm going to slightly derail as well, since we're kind oh, of on a movie, okay. a movie scenario here. It's not a total derailment because once again, in the IndyCast uh, group chat, uh, I did send this earlier. Um, but are you familiar with the movie Dick Tracy?
1: I am. I am. I actually have been wanting to give it a rewatch because I haven't seen it in quite a long time. Right. Um, but I remember it kind of getting the green light based off the success of Tim Burton, Batman, right. and them making toys and the whole nine yards, but it didn't
0: do as well. Right. Um, and it was the only movie that I get. First off, I thought it was uh, an amazingly underrated movie. I thought it was actually yes. a pretty decent flick from what I remember. Uh, they had a great cast in it, which I feel like is Warren Beatty just like pulling in a lot of favors from It Had to have been. Um, that I'm hundred percent of the belief in that. And I'll be honest and I, I, this might be my hot take for this movie. It's the only time I found Madonna really attractive. She is unbelievable in that. Yeah. She's gorgeous in that. I never really found her all that. Like I under, she's one of those people that I understand why she's hot or why people find
1: attractive in, in her time.
0: But, uh, so did you know, and you may have, because you may have read the link that I sent earlier. But um, I'm just going to read part of this right now. In 1990, Warren Beatty made a Dick Tracy movie, but no one would let him make another one and even tried to do a TV show. They even tried to do a TV show without him. He got so mad, he decided to find a loophole in his contract and get decades of petty revenge. So apparently every couple decades, he makes a no budget 20 some minutes TV special where he complains to Leonard Maltin while wearing the costume and releases it unannounced in the middle of the night on a Turner classic movies. And apparently this week at 85 years old, Warren Beatty is 85. He put up a, he brought up another one, which was called Dick Tracy zooms in where basically he didn't even have to show up on set. He did it through zoom. Um, but apparently he has gone to court to make sure that they are legally considered sequels and thus renews his rights to that character So that nobody else can actually use the character for anything. Well, so,
1: A, I was not aware of this. And then you really put me down a rabbit hole here. And so I was digging into it. So, okay. So a couple of things. Number one, this isn't the first time I've heard of something like this. Okay. Now, now a similar situation happened with um, Mel Brooks and Blazing Saddles. Okay. That apparently... There was something along the same lines that like, you know, in order to keep the rights to Blazing Saddles, uh, like I think it was like Warner Brothers or whoever had to do the kind of the same thing. Like they had to keep renewing some kind of project with it to keep it from just becoming 100 percent owned by Mel Brooks, something along those lines. And so they brought in Mel Brooks and showed him like a tape that they had done, like a TV budgeted sequel. to. Blazing Saddles. And Mel Brooks was like, This is terrible. And they were like, Well, we're not gonna release it. We just wanted to show you that like we still own it kind of thing. Oh, because I think <laughs> it was because he wanted to do like Blazing Saddles the musical. Because he had done Young okay. Frankenstein and all those other
0: Um <laughs> Oh my god.
1: Blazing so, Saddles the Musical? Something along those lines. Because he did, you know, he did all those, um he did Young Frankenstein and you know the right. producers of the musical and all that. Um so that's one example. The other one, the more famous one that I knew of, was um, with the Fantastic Four. That Fox, in the like real shitstorm of '90s comic books, Marvel Comics had sold off a bunch of their properties for movie rights to just like anybody and their mother. Um, and so at one point, they had sold the Fantastic Four off to Fox. And same thing, the the shot clock was running out, and if they didn't have a project, you know, with them involved, they'd have to give the, the rights back to Marvel. And so they brought in Roger Corman to make a Fantastic Four movie with, like, next to no budget in, like, a month and a half, with no intentions to distribute it. And so they made it, and it's fucking really, really bad, and it ended up getting leaked at one point. And so literally like
0: bootlegs of it out there. Um, I need brainbuster video to release that for me. <laughs> I would um, buy a, I would buy a VCR just for that, I think.
1: yeah, it's it's very bad. I've seen it. It's very bad. <laughs> uh, Dr. Doom has a lot of spirit fingers when he's talking. Um, but anyways, okay. so I have heard of this before. Now, the thing that makes it extra funny to me with Warren Beatty, is Warren Beatty being an absolute cock about this thing for several decades. But the ultimate shot clock is running out because I think it's like in another five years, four or five years, no, I think it's another four years, Dick Tracy, the character, falls into the public domain.
0: 2027. He's actually got three years left. Yeah, so... So, when he turns 90, tough fuck shit. all you doing this, yeah, fuck all you doing this, these TMC releases. Uh, that, now that all being just,
1: said, similar to your point with Fantastic Four, I absolutely want to see these Warren Beatty
0: "fuck you" tapes because that sounds amazing. Oh god, yeah. I assume they have to be on fucking YouTube or something. I'd be shocked Somewhere. if they're not. So, uh, you're going to rabbit hole me one more time here, actually, really quick. Uh, okay. Because uh, because you've mentioned Marvel and we got in a musical theater. Uh, oh did yeah. You watch? Did you watch? Did you watch Hawkeye? Yes. Okay. So, you then you got to see Rogers the Musical, the one the that...
1: Sn- the snippets of Rogers the Musical,
0: you yes. saw. Right. Which is absolutely wonderful. Apparently, in Disneyland, at their mm-hmm. Avengers campus uh, area that they have there, they are going to be putting up, I guess, a shorter one-act version of fucking Rogers the Musical, which... Which I think is not wonderful, that, other other than it will only be in California. Yeah, never I was just gonna say overhear. that's the part that so. chaps my ass is that, yeah, that
1: Disneyland always gets the good shit.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and completely because and because that was what um in our in our new in our wrestling nerds group here, uh, you know, one American dad asked Jesse Long was asking, it's like, why can't that be here? And then we had to all go, Oh yeah, universal because they because Marvel signed What is Marvel making a shit ton of money off of this universal deal? Like, is it, I mean, probably.
1: And also it's, it's, it's first come first serve, you know, like, yeah. And, and as far as I knew, I think the agreement was you couldn't do attractions that involve characters that already have attractions at universal. Right. So theoretically a stage show, I think would have been possible. Especially if it's, like, you know, not an actual ride. So Disney, I think, could have gotten away with it. But, like, for instance, they can't do, like, a full-blown-ass Spider-Man ride right. at Disney World because there's a full-blown-ass Spider-Man ride at Universal.
0: Right. That's been my understanding of it. I guess I'm just su- surprised that Disney hasn't tried to just buy that shit out by now. That's, that's true. That's, just-
1: that's, a, that's an excellent point. I Maybe they're still pissed because, you know, Universal got the, the Harry Potter rub, but... Now that's a mixed bag, so I don't know.
0: And now, on top of that, with the, and that was the other reason I thought they might get rid of it because they were opening up that whole, because uh, the, they have the they've got the a Nintendo World coming right. in pretty soon, and then they've got the the extra park coming in that's got all sorts of wild shit in it, from what I know.
1: Yeah, um, that's the big rumors is like that. There's going to be a Universal Monsters area year round, and that there's going to be a. How to train your dragon thing and all this other shit. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll believe it when I see it.
0: Any thoughts on Universal opening up the, uh, I think it was a Halloween, uh, like a year round Halloween Horror Nights in like Texas or something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. They're doing a
1: some kind of year round haunt, I think in Vegas. Um, oh, is it in Vegas? Okay. I think so. Um, but they are doing, no, they're doing a um, Minions and Shrek super deluxe hotel in Texas.
0: Oh, okay. Uh,
1: and so we'll all clearly have to make a trip to, a trip to Mecca there and and really hang out in like the sh- the the Shrek themed swamp pool or whatever. Um but uh yeah, I think that's a brilliant idea. In fact, um I was actually shocked that they didn't just make the full commitment. Like once they started doing the tribute store decorations. So for anybody doesn't know, um at Universal for any sort of uh You know events or whatever they'll have like a little specified gift shop for it and for a long time it just was nothing special it was just like hey buy more shit that has whatever the event is on it uh and then they decided to kind of go the disney route of like oh what if we just make everything merchandised and so then they started gimmicking up the tribute store so that not only can you buy you know halloween horror nights merchandise but also, you're walking through like what looks like a set from like Beetlejuice or something, or Jaws or something like that. So it became fully gimmicked, and people were like, oh my God, just like spending more money at the tribute store, and it worked great, and da, da da da. So once I started doing that, I was like, what would stop us from just having a year round gimmicky kind of haunted attraction? And then when they started doing movies that were not quite so scary, um, I was like, you, you should probably just do this year-round, because like kids could survive this. Like, for instance, Beetlejuice or Ghostbusters. Right. Um, you know, both of those haunts were great, and they, you know, do your classic, like, hey, we're going to basically summarize all the memorable scenes of the movie. Um, but I was like, this could be a year-round thing. Like, this doesn't have to be, you don't have to hide this just for October. Um, and they haven't yet. And so I'm hoping that the Vegas thing does well. Because I think that really could be something interesting and something that Disney certainly wouldn't do, right? In terms of like having a year-round haunted attraction, um, you know, basically the closest you get with Disney is the you know the kind of Halloweeny dress them up, you know, trick or treat kind of gimmick, yeah. which is fine, See, but
0: officially uh, dubbed "not so scary." So yeah, they exactly. like they come right out and are like, give you the heads up, hey. We're not going to try to make you pee yourself like they do at Universal.
1: Right. So. Uh, or any other attraction around here during this time. Um, right. Although, speaking of Beetlejuice, just real quick here. So, um, for anybody who happens to follow us on social media at Brainbuster, uh, last weekend we were vending at this little pop-up market in St. Pete. And blah, 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 blah. At one point, there's this, like, older hippie woman that kind of comes up to the table. And... Uh, she's like looking over uh, some of the tarot cards that a uh, co-host of the indie cast Luna makes. And she makes a set that's based on uh, the Adams family movies. And she makes a set based on uh, Beetlejuice. And so the lady's asking about them and she's like, yeah, they're from, uh, that one's from Adams family. That one's from Beetlejuice. And she like picks up the deck and goes, oh, is this your, is this your child on this one? And it's Pubert from the second Adams family. And she's like, no, that's from The Adams Family. And she's like, oh, the new show? And she's like, no, the two movies. I'm like, oh. And then she's like, and what's the other one? And at the same time, Luna and I both say Beetlejuice. And then I turn like an idiot and I go, oh, my God, we said it three times. And the old woman looks at us and she goes, well, now what happens? <laughs> and I was so taken aback. I was like, I don't even know where to fucking begin. Like, how how do you not know what Beetlejuice is? Like, pop culturally, that's been around for a bit. I was like, I, are you an alien? Like, what is happening right now?
0: It was uh, very bizarre. Zach I will indeed tell you, it, uh, and for those that have listened for a while, my, my shoot job is I'm a facilitator at a a large a fairly large company i had a bunch of and i will say kids in my class because they're all in there like uh, i get a bunch of people that are in their 20s who have never once laid eyes on anything star wars related that's and my, to me, right and i turned and as always i turned to dust it was like how have you never seen and they're like i don't know should i see that oh like, yes you should see that what do you mean should you see that that's that's a like, like I couldn't begin to like you know go through like the the pop culture touchstone that that Star Wars was to me without you know completely getting on my soapbox. But
1: so now I have to ask, what was the catalyst? It was like there's something something happened and then you were like, well, you know what they say, never let the Wookiee win or whatever. I think I, I,
0: I think one of my um because I, 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 I'm I had a um another facilitator describe me once as the Willy Wonka of facilitation. Uh, oh, that, uh, and I'm perfectly okay. okay with that because, but because I play a lot of videos and do a lot of like, um, like uh, my powerpoints aren't just boring powerpoints. Like I'll put animated, you know, I'll put animated gifs and shit like that into it. Um, so it, it's always something kind of visual going on for my. So you clients. would
1: say it was gimmicked.
0: Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, okay. I am proudly fully gimmicked. Are you kidding me? Okay. Um, second, but I. Second. I think if I remember correctly at lunch, I always after lunch gets done, I play a quick video because uh, I know what what a food coma is. I can't right, tell you course. how many times I've gotten right into like, OK, guys, we're going to get back into work and then have it be people nodding their heads out because they just ate something. So I always play right. something kind of silly after lunch. Um, and I played um, Seagulls. Stop it now. OK you uh, yeah, see I'm uh, a
1: lip reading of Yoda bad lip read-
0: right just cuz it's it's funny it, it's there's no other reason for me to show it other than it's it gives a chuckle uh and it gives everybody kind of in the mood to be like okay we're back we're having fun but now we have to get back back to work and i had one person who just didn't know like anything about it and i was like how what you like and it's like she knew b- basics of it she knew like Oh well, that's like, is that and like I I think she even said something about it being Baby Yoda's dad. And I'm like, no, that's not. A, don't no. ever tell to me again. Right, don't do that. It's a, first off, his name is Grogu. You you address him properly, but um, but yeah, no, that was kind of where it was. It's like I showed that, and uh, I had one student in particular just had no idea what the hell I was talking about. So I'm like, yep. I'm I'm oldest jerk. So. well, true, but that's a
1: child. That's an infant. This was what? like a grown ass older woman. Oh yeah, you know, no, no, like, no how agree. How have you gone yeah. this long and not even come across in passing like Beetlejuice or The Adams Family? And The Adams right. Family is extra. What the fuck? Because like even just the like Charles Adams, you know, New Yorker comic strips were around in the fucking like forties oh. or whatever. I'm like, oh no, God, yeah. So and you, you was- had to have cross paths with the Adamses at some point.
0: Yeah, the, the cartoon started, the comic strip started in the 40s. The TV show was in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, the movies were in the 90s. So, the yeah, and then was in the
1: 90s. They've done the new version of the fucking 3D. This has been a thing. Yeah. A Broadway fucking show. It's
0: been around, man. This isn't on the underground. I'm disappointed I never got to see the Broadway show.
1: I saw a uh, like a local theater
0: production of it, which was okay. Did you? Yeah. They, but they yeah they, Nathan Lane as
1: as Gomez Adams. Sign me up.
0: Uh, Nathan Lane as Gomez Adams and B.B. Newworth as uh as Morticia. Also as perfect Morticia. casting. Um, yeah. Right. So. But uh, and
1: that's our theater talk. Um, but yeah, no, that yeah. was very odd, and that actually takes me to an issue that I've uh, I have found myself in is that there are certain things. Uh, you know, I like to think of myself as quick-witted uh, at, at times, especially when I'm doing commentary or something along those lines. But there are just times in my everyday life where just something something comes up and I just don't have a snappy response at all. And, like, that was one of those moments of, like, this woman, you know, uh-oh, we said Bill just three times and her just being like, now it happens. I'm like, what? what? What do you mean, now it happens? Um, or any I have, like, uh brainbuster merchandise on like if i'm at you know grabbing a bite to eat at a convention or something like that and somebody sees me out in public they'll all usually say some variation of like what the uh, oh blockbuster oh man i oh it's been a while wow when did you ooh, why are you or they'll go rainbow oh i thought i thought that said blockbuster oh well that's crazy that's crazy and I don't have a fucking response. I don't go like, well, we're pretty close or, oh, yeah, fucking nostalgia or oh, check your fucking eyes. It says Brainbuster, not blockbuster, dumb, dumb. Like, I don't have a fucking answer to that at all. I just kind of go.
0: <laughs> I think we need to come up with one for you now. That's the, okay, we I, need to have a I, I load up a snappy comeback for you. So you have it at the ready. So, yeah, like
1: it's called Brainbuster buster, fuck face. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to say, <laughs> but. It's it's
0: it, I don't have a good line for I it. I feel I'm like that one it. might be a little confrontational. We'll we'll workshop it though. We'll figure something out that'll work though. So.
1: <laughs> what are you the feds? Get off my dick. That's what I <laughs> that's what I say to people who go, nice shirt. Um Yeah. What, so is, I,
0: what are you the feds? Get off my dick. That's wonderful that's, and do itself. Well, so.
1: you know, hey, that's a strong introduction to make. Uh, so let's actually talk about wrestling for a moment. We got to cross paths out in the wild this past weekend. We did. Uh, both at the Little Baby Boo Boo Pop-Up Marketplace in St. Pete and at Pride of Wrestling 25 Love and Lightning. Uh, it was. I got back on the horse in terms of doing uh, ring announcing and uh, and Chad brought a whole squad with him. Now I, I did do want to know what your thoughts were on the show overall, and then I do have mm-hmm. kind of a, a, a interesting little specific question to uh, okay. that we can perhaps dive a little deeper on. But uh, what was your overall assessment? What was your grade for the show? Were there any standouts, good or bad, for you? Uh,
0: overall, I would call it I would call it a a solid B plus show. Uh, I think it was it was definitely a good show. I do like the I do like the location that. Um, pride of wrestling has found as kind of their home base.
1: Yes. The, Uh, I believe it's the Seminole city or city of Seminole recreational center. I believe
0: it's good size, good parking, enough room for seating and everything. They, they found a really good spot. Plus it has a great spot for like, for them to, you know, have the wrestlers set up merch and for them to sell, uh, you know, snacks and stuff that. So, um, I was there with, uh, my girlfriend, uh, who has become a bit of a, a bit of a wrestling addict lately, which I find hysterical. Um, because I had her come over for Royal Rumble. And what she saw Excellent. Royal Rumble, it was it's been all uh all crazy from there to the point where some at some point during the show she leaned over to me and goes, You know, you're just gonna have to bring me to all the local shows now, right? And I said, You know, we live in Florida. There's a lot of them. <laughs> you're gonna you might regret saying that later, but uh but uh and then uh another uh two couples that I'm fr- I actually did both their weddings, uh which I find hysterical that uh I was we were all kind of hanging out together. Uh so that was so that was a lot of fun. Um standout to the show, uh I would say uh the opening matchup with um Daniel Starling was probably one of the best matches of the uh, the best matches of the night. They probably should have even moved that to later in the show. Um, But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I don't schedule the booking, but um, I, uh, I think the cheese uh, versus Leroy Shogun was an excellent match. Um, I think, uh, And I know this is going to sound like me just putting over a bunch of previous guests, but uh, they legitimately were all doing really great. Uh, Dick Danger uh, was definitely a big crowd standout as well as the cheese was. And uh, the main event with Controversial Incorporated versus the Notorious State line uh, was excellent as well with uh, a lot of props going to Salazar and um, Eddie Torres uh, because they're still setting them up to have another match, I do believe. Yes, it and certainly um, that way. yeah, and they're they were both really good in that match as well. So um, but all in all, like I said, all in all it was a, it is a quite enjoyable show. I was losing my voice by the end of the first half of the show. So I'm glad <laughs> we did intermission when we did. Uh, somebody got set on fire at one point. So this that was true. interesting. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. And, um, yeah, good time. All, all in all, a good time was, uh, was had by all, though. So. so
1: that's excellent to hear. Glad that it got uh, a high high marks from you. Um, now, one thing I did want to ask, you mentioned mm-hmm. kind of creating your own uh, wrestling uh, fan who's coming uh, fresh to the, the, the performance art. So a question I have for you is, mm-hmm. do you find that it is sort of ref- Yeah, sort of refreshing to watch wrestling through the eyes of someone who is just getting into it.
0: Oh God, yeah, hundred, no, hundred percent. Um, and and I'll be honest, uh, that uh, you know when I really kind of noticed how much fun that was. uh, I mean, this show was a, but I will say for the Royal Rumble, especially when we sat down and watched the Rumble, um, my. Uh, and Cindy has watched my girlfriend has watched wrestling in the past her, her, right um her family is uh has a latin background so her she was telling me stories about her grandfather watching like old triple a and uh you know cmll on like the spanish networks mm-hmm. so she was used to like the you know the more luchador style right. uh, of wrestling versus the you know kind of wwe stuff and my uh, my roommate uh doesn't watch a lot of wrestling either but after the rumble they were both completely like they were tuned in completely uh especially to the point now where whenever something new happens with uh the bloodline storyline uh my roommate will come out and go hey did anything new happen and i'll have to go find <laughs> like videos on on youtube or the like so i can kind of catch them up on on what's going on with the you know the Sami Zayn Roman Reigns Uso stuff so yeah uh no but that would make it makes it all the more fun or same with like when i bring the girls when i bring the bring my kids Mm -hmm. um when cheyenne starts really getting into a match or a wrestler or something like that uh it reminds me completely of how i got into it when i was you know young much younger than she was when i was like six so um that yeah that absolutely helps and and more more people in wrestling should probably go out and find somebody that they think they could turn into a wrestling fan and try to bring them to a live show independent or otherwise Mm -hmm. um just for that experience just to kind of remind yourself you know hey it's not all about like what you can read on the internet or something like that sometimes it's just a matter of sitting in there sitting in an audience and forgetting that you know how how the sausage is made. Um, well, yeah,
1: because especially when you're reintroducing wrestling to somebody, you know, you kind of have to take it back to basics. And you can't right. you know, you can't jump in with like, well, here's what the work rate is really like for this particular wrestler and he's right. been buried a little bit, but you can't get into all that terminology when you're trying to just introduce somebody to it. So it's like, right. okay. Well, this is good guy, this is bad guy, you know. This is the kind of guy, you know, the kind of character he is, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I think having to do that sort of, like you said, reintroduces these core ideas of like, yeah, that's why this is good storytelling. That's why this is fun. Um, so that's good. That's exactly what I was, I was hoping to hear is that, you know, it's sort of yeah. rekindled a, an appreciation for wrestling by having to basically start from scratch and kind of reacclimate with like, oh yeah, this is what makes wrestling great. Um,
0: Oh, and actually, you know, and one thing that I will say here, um, wrestlers, if you're, if we have wrestlers that are listening to this right now, and you may be, if you can't explain your gimmick in less than about a sentence and a half, you need to fix your gimmick. Mm. Just giving you a heads up right now, because... Um, and and I noticed that at points when Cindy would lean over to me and go kind of like, hey, what's this guy all about? And um, for a couple of them in there, I couldn't come up with a good short way of explaining who this person was and why why they were versus somebody like, and I'm going to use somebody that I know she asked me about. Dick Danger came out. Okay. And she goes, Okay, what what's up with this guy? And I said, he. Uh, I said, do you remember Evil Knievel from back in the day? She goes, yes. I said, he's basically like tiny Evil Knievel, right? Oh, okay. And she completely got it from that point. She understood. Okay, he's he's a tiny stuntman, uh, who's you know, that's his that's his whole thing. That's kind of the 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 whole gimmick of it. And she got it, and was able to run with it. But there are definitely other people in that show that she's like. What's his deal? And I'm like, um Well, I, I gotta I gotta pull up this PowerPoint presentation. Right, exactly. Like and thank God I make good PowerPoint presentations at one East, or else it would be horrible. <laughs> right. Um, gifts and
1: there's all kinds of clips and songs and stuff. And
0: but uh yeah. but you yeah, there were talk. definitely a couple people on there that I had to like try to explain. Like another great one when Argus Auto came out, what's what's his deal? He's an asshole. And right. that was like and that you don't need to say anything else. He's an asshole. He also thinks he's a veteran when he's not. Uh, so that, and she's like, oh, okay. So. Right. Also guys be better at figuring out who the good guy and who the bad guy is some days too. definitely a couple of times when people came out and she's like, so who's the bad guy in this one? And I had to go like, oh, this one here is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why, is the, why is he the bad guy and not that? Um. That's just how they're booked here. That's like and that was kind of that's (laughs) how how the the story goes in this one. So
1: Yeah. Well, I you know, and and that's one of those things too of like, you know, that's I think part of the reason why like the cheese works so well is even if you were in the bathroom during his entrance or you're deaf or you know, whatever the case may be, like you look at him and you're like, Oh yeah, no, he's got bright colors you know, he's a big cartoon character, you look at that and you're like, oh, that's a good guy. You know, if he suddenly was like, ah, I'm going to do this NWO turn, it would be very tough. Right. Um, because he's just naturally, you know, kind of just a, a baby face automatically. So uh, to play against type, I think would, would just be unnecessarily
0: difficult. Um, right. And by the way, if you went to the bathroom dur- during Cheese's entrance for this show, I'm so sorry you did because you missed one of the greatest like, that that flare type robe he wore out was was just, very powerful his his gear the show was just not just kiss yeah perfect perfectly done so
1: yeah no very very good but yeah it, it does sometimes you know i feel like wrestlers are are too focused on like oh i just want to look cool and look like this yeah. and they lose the like yeah but how's that translate how is that going to actually like do the heavy lifting of because if you don't look like something holy shit, unbelievable. Like John Davis could wear whatever the hell John Davis wants to wear because right. John Davis is terrifying. So, right. you know, he could be wearing whatever the hell he wants. He could be wearing, you know, a, a Shania Twain t shirt and he'd still be equally as intimidating as if he's just wearing a singlet or whatever. Um
0: but now he I is also I want John Davis to come out in a Man, I feel like a woman shirt and just, you know. and just
1: see who snickers right. Just see if I, anybody goes, oh like if anybody even raises an eyebrow, Siberian bear crusher um, how many, how many people are just like that's
0: a wonderful song, sir <laughs> yeah
1: like'm big fan of hers as well sir. um so that's you know that doesn't the 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 attire doesn't really matter all that much in John's case. now, for somebody who does not look like John Davis, having gear that fits with whatever your character is and isn't just cool for the sake of being cool right. can help tremendously can help do a lot of lifting in terms of initially like you said figuring out that okay at a glance who is the villain who is the good guy um not to say that you know heroes can't wear dark colors or you know can't look spooky like obviously that's not the case but it's just something to think about you know if if you're deciding yeah, I'm going to go dark gray on top of black as my color scheme. It's like, okay, right. well, then you damn well better really work on being like likable and and you know easy to cheer for in other aspects if you are going to be the good guy. Because if right. you're not, then it's you're going to have those situations where people lean over and go, who's the bad guy here? And that's ultimately what people want. They want to know, right. okay, how do I participate in this properly? Who am I supposed to be cheering for now? Yes, you've got assholes. You've got peanut galleries who are going to be like, I'm cheering for this guy. I don't give a shit or whatever. That's fine. But by and large, a majority of your audience is looking to go along for the ride and is right. looking to make that, that ride as easy as possible of like, you tell me who I'm supposed to cheer for and I will play along.
0: And to a few of you bad guys out there that, and you know who you are, who I can't help but not cheer for you when you come out. I, I'm sorry. Right. I, I know I'm usually that I'm that asshole for a couple. There's a few people on the list that like I can't boo them no matter how much of an asshole they're trying to be. I'm. If sorry. You want to? Um, you just. I do. Going. But um, can I bring up one complaint though that you did? You, you kind of started to tease on here a little bit. Sure. Um, about this show, or at least about maybe just independent wrestling as a whole. Um, okay. not even, but I'm going to pick on the show because it's the one I went to of the, let me try to think how many matches were on the show. Was it about a
1: seven match card? Seven. Cause there were two, um, like pre-show VIP kind of matches. So it was a nine okay. card overall.
0: But so I didn't get to see, I, I did not pay for the, uh, for the VIP. So I, I did miss those. So, um, apologies to whomever were in those matches. I'm sorry. I didn't see you. Um, but I, I, I had bills to pay, and I could only afford general admission to the show. But um, of the seven matches that I saw, mm-hmm. I think only people in about three or four of those matches did anything more than cursory interactions with the audience. mm And Mm. I don't know why that is, because especially on the independent side of wrestling, when you have an audience that is that close to you, I don't know why, especially you good guys, why you're not trying to get the audience into it more. You know, that's an
1: excellent point, Chad. Um, And that was something that I was really starting to notice right out of COVID. It felt like everybody kind of reset and needed to be retrained. And I kind of thought to myself, I'm like, you know what? Just give everybody enough time and it'll be back to normal and we'll get it all figured out again. And, you know, it just feels like it just never has gotten back to normal. Right. Um, And so it really does feel like the oneness is on. And I don't know. I don't know if everyone just had it too easy for a while. And now it's back to, hey, no, you got to make this, you got to really pave the way for this crowd to react. You can't just assume that they're in on the deal and they're going to just go with it or what. But I have noticed the same thing that for quite a lot of wrestlers and not even just the youngins, not even just like the, well, he's only been wrestling for 10 minutes. He doesn't know the, no, like absolute been around the bush, you know, been there, done that guys still are like, oh, they'll get it. And then they never do. And then it's like, They go in the back and go, oh, that crowd's dead or, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, no, that's on you, homie. Like, you got to get them to participate because your only other option is this, like, escalating arms race of, like, crazy flippy shit. Because then you're getting reactions out of people. You're getting gasps. You're getting applause breaks. But, you know, you can also save your neck by just going – Hey, I'm going to interact with the crowd for a minute and like bring them into but, the story that we're telling.
0: And, and here, I'll I'll give a few highlights of people on this one here. Dick Danger reacted with the crowd the entire time. Wonderful job. Cheese is, I think, possibly on the floor to scene other than one other person. I'm about to mention two other people. I'm about to mention might be one of the best at kind of keeping the audience into it and reacting with them. Um. Uh, but I'm going to, for this show, for the POW show, I'm going to highlight one person who I'm actually also going to highlight from the show we are out at in Orlando for that CCW company mm-hmm. um, where Martin Stone made his return. Um, Eddie Eddie Torres was on both those shows, was a bad guy in CCW, and the good guy here in POW but still reacted to the audience in both shows still talked to the audience in both shows made you know you know flip an eye contact with audience members at a few points during the show to keep them to keep them interested either way when he right. came out as a bad guy in CCW he was jawing with people at ringside he was definitely playing it up and at the, when he's the good guy at the POW show was like you know, asking for cheers and talking back and forth and but not taking away from the match, but doing enough to keep the, to keep the crowd invest you know, to keep the crowd invested in what was going on. And that that's something more people need to be looking at. Um, it's and then, of course, and then we'll bring up somebody I know we've brought up a, a billion times lately because you and me have both been. Converted into the, uh, the Cha Cha Army, I guess. Um, but like <laughs> Cha Cha Charlie, same freaking thing over in that CCW show. Like he had the entrance, he had people, he was, he had them dancing, he was reacting with them the entire time. He blew the place out of the water. And yeah. you and me, I remember at that CCW show, were both absolutely gobsmacked about like the whole presentation of Cha Cha Charlie. Yeah. Um, and how, you know, it, it seems, it seems so simple. Maybe it's not as simple as you and I think it is because obviously neither of us have any in ring experience to, to speak of, uh, cause we would both get destroyed, yeah. but, but it seems so goddamn simple just to like, you know, keep the audience entertained. And probably if you could get more people, more people on this last show that were doing that, good guy or bad guy because as a bad guy you can still keep the audience into it and the thing is you had at least two or three audience members in that show that if you reacted towards them would have given you something back i'm mm-hmm. i'm and you know how i am in an audience i'm going to scream and yell the entire time i'm out there if i can help it right um to, to keep things moving um there's one like super fan who shows up she shows up to everything yes um who will react to everything that anybody does if you go over and say something to her or to her mom or the people that are around her you'll get a reaction out why you're yeah, not you're and, made we the were sitting, and we're sitting on opposite sides of the ring right she was sitting on one side I'm sitting on the other so it's not like you have to play to just one side of the ring either play to both sides of it and get the people that are cheering to to start yelling out because once they start yelling usually you'll get people that will then start to play along because every, cause now they're seeing other people are doing it.
1: Yeah. And I think um, that's really what it comes down to is just creating that comfort for people to interact. You know, that's, right. that's the idea is you want to give people the the clearance, the go ahead of like, yeah, now it's your turn. Now this is the part where you yell and make a lot of noise. Like that's, I think what a lot of maybe casual or first time fans are really kind of looking for. Right. Is for that all clear of like, Okay, I get to I get to yell and it's, I don't look like a crazy person because right. you know what's the what's really the closest sort of you know similar outing would be like going and seeing like an Avengers movie if right. you get up and you're like let's go Captain let's go they're gonna be like hey man shut the fuck up right so you know it's a little it, it's a little out of the ordinary to ask a crowd to be like yes you are just as important as the wrestlers you know, please participate, blah, 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 blah. But they're looking for those high signs. They're looking for the like, yes, I'm letting you know it's okay to call me a piece of shit. It's all right. You know, that's telling me I'm doing a good job. It's okay. Right. You no, know, there people I think in the crowd are looking for those
0: those clues.
1: And, and so you even
0: and by saying you even tell them that like at the beginning of the show, you you do a very good job of telling people it's like, hey, this is wrestling. You should you should react to this, but People don't always do that right away because, yeah, there's still that like almost kind of embarrassment factor of it. So you need real dipshits in the audience like me and the (laughs) other young lady that sits on the other side of the room to kind of clue you in that, no, really, you can do that. And the more people that do it, the more that the more other people will join in. So
1: Right. And so, yeah, I'm really hoping that more younger talent can can figure that out, because I think. It adds so much to the atmosphere, it adds so much to the experience and it's going to make, you know, it's going to make your life easier as a performer because now when you're setting up stuff, you don't have to yell come on every 10 seconds. You know, you don't have to struggle to get a reaction when you're setting up for a move. If you've already laid the groundwork of, you know, communicating with people and, and getting them on your side then that or getting them against you then they're gonna continue that. But I agree, Eddie blew me away uh, at that show, just how much he was staying talking and chatting and communicating and keeping people in, you know, not only involved, but keeping them up to speed and and helping to tell that story, you know, because especially when you've got more than just like one-on-one, as soon as you start introducing other moving parts, it can get easy to get lost in terms of like, well, where am I supposed to be paying attention? So, like, you right. just did an awesome job of that. And I don't want to put Eddie over too much because he is a former guest of the show. You know, he's obviously a friend of the show. I don't right. want to be like, our pal's great. But when it comes to vets in the state of Florida, Eddie's number one on my list because he is in great shape. He can still go. There's not like there's no like pity applause of like oh well at least he's still trying out there like right. if you didn't know that he was you know a vet and you were just like oh yeah this guy's gonna been wrestling five years you'd be like he's gonna be on top of the world in 10 minutes because he's that good um and he is a wealth of knowledge i know i think some wrestlers probably hesitate for whatever reason out of pride or whatever the case is of not wanting to ask for his advice but he has a pretty good head on his shoulders um, and maybe that's partly because he does do like the grizzled vet kind of thing where like, you know, he'll go on his social media every once in a blue moon and be like, you used work the kids are fucking up. But that's just sort of like an echo chamber kind of thing. That's just him and, and and other vets kind of airing grievances. But I have never seen him turn down anybody who's genuinely asked for feedback and wanted actual help and not just like, tell so, I me mean, my match was good, you know, for, for younger wrestlers who are like, no, I genuinely want to learn. I want to know what I'm doing wrong. Like, how do I get the kind of reactions you're getting? Like, what is the best course here? I've always seen Eddie come to, you know, really help out the 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 whole community for that.
0: Yeah. So and 100 percent honesty, the one time I did the manager gig um for ACW, uh, you didn't end
1: looked, up on the on the top Florida one hundreds for that. I don't I,
0: know. God damn it. I know, right? George, you know why? Because Jordan Jordan Owens is jealous of me.
1: Got, I, you got 100%. heat. You got heat with Jordan.
0: I got heat with Jordan. Me and Jordan in a two-minute battle because one of us will get really exhausted in, like, no time flat. Um, it'll be just two fat guys breathing heavily in the middle of the ring. But um,
1: Dueling mass transits right here in the I, middle of the um, ring. Um, Philadelphia.
0: But when I thought there was a chance I might do another gig like that, because there was conversation about continuing it, Um one of the people I reached out to for an honest opinion was Eddie, because um, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. He is that grizzled vet that, and he gave some great advice and told me other people to go talk to. And I went and talked to them too because of that. But um, no, it, it, more people should be listening to a lot of the stuff that Eddie's saying. And I, again, I'm I'll stop kissing his ass now because uh, <laughs> I don't want to get him give him too big of a head. Listening right, to, to like he's a the two guys who say it's like, you know, it should all be like flashy and gimmicky, or like, yes, we still believe that too, Eddie. But that's, but also, you're pretty goddamn good.
1: Um, so speaking of of figuring out characters and things like that, uh, let's go over that um, that like uh, online uh, deal that you were talking about before we started recording.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, and I apologize, I do not have the person who I stitched off of. Um
1: no, and that's why you didn't make it on the
0: top one hundred. Uh, lack of lack of planning. No, it was Jordan. It was all Jordan. <laughs> but uh no, uh, I, I stitched somebody recently on um TikTok. And if you're not following me on TikTok, uh at IndyCast Maximus, uh oh, you plug. should find Look me at the plug. Instagram. But um somebody uh had come on and said that basically AE one of uh, AEW's problems right now is they have a lot of wrestlers whose gimmick is. Hey, I wrestle good. Uh, I'm a great wrestler. And that's the extent of their gimmick. And he listed off a bunch of people that fit that bill. Um, Kenny Omega, I'm a good wrestler. Claudio Castagnoli, I'm a good wrestler. Um, Brian Danielson, I'm a good wrestler. You could probably even say Samoa Joe, I'm a good wrestler. You've got a bunch of people that are there and their whole thing is is like i'm really good at this wrestling thing and yeah that's great and all and good for good for you on that but is that holding AEW back a little bit that they don't have a few things that are a little more gimmicky to separate some of these people out yeah
1: and and it's funny because there does seem to be this like overarching sort of i don't want to say backlash but it feels like AEW is suddenly not the golden child that it once was. That there's a lot more criticism that I'm seeing be thrown at AEW than right. than maybe a year ago. And um, but I do think this is a great point that, and this is an issue that we run into in the Florida scene. That you know sometimes there's, you know, I've always used this as an example. Like if you're just going to be like a no, I'm going to let the wrestling do the talking. Okay, if you're Ricochet or you're Zack Sabre Jr., then sure, you can get away with that because you are just so high and above in terms of the average wrestling skill level that that can be the novelty, is holy shit, wait till you see this guy wrestle. But if you're not that, if you're just like, hey, I just graduated wrestling school, well, that's not really enough, number one. right. But number two, to the point that's being made here, if everybody on the card is Ricochet then it's going to get kind of boring. Right. And I was actually, when you first brought this up to me, my immediate response was, yeah, but what about PWG? What about PW fucking G? That whole fucking company was based around no storylines, just the best, of the best of the indies fighting. And all of our shows are named after songs or something obnoxious. Right. Like that was PWG in a nutshell. But once I thought about it for a moment, I said, yes, but PWG didn't have a TV deal. Right. PWG was only doing like what? Six shows a year, maybe. And it's heyday. Hey, if even, if even that, like, so it's like, that's not that you can get away with that. Yeah, you're right. So maybe let's say it's like four shows a year. You can get away with, Hey, we're not really going into depth here in terms of character work. It's just, it's just, Skill for skill and first time matchups. And it's like, okay, well that works if you've got four shows to worry about and that's it. Right. But if you've got TV, you know, X amount of weeks during the year, you're probably gonna need to figure something else out than just like, hey, skill for skill, let's go. And right. you're gonna run out of first time matchups eventually. And I feel like that's kind of, sort of, the boat that AEW is sort of drifting towards becoming. Right. Because especially, like you said, in that top tier of the company, you got a lot of guys whose claim to fame are, I'm a very good wrestler. Right. And well, so, the what is the answer to this? What is the cure? It's the same cure for everything in this world. Gimmicks, gimmicks, gimmicks.
0: Yeah. Now the funny thing is about PWG. PWG falls into um PWG is the um the home run the 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 Major League Baseball Home Run Derby or the NBA Slam Dunk Competition or the NHL Skills Competition. Okay. It's it's not something you can do all the time, but when they come around, people are interested. Right. Like, you couldn't do a home run derby every day. People would get bored of it. Right. But when you do it or, once or replace,
1: a year, Or replace uh, regular Major League Baseball with the home run
0: derby. Right. So you, you have to have that mix up on it from there. But that's the problem that AEW is having is I think AEW is trying to be, I don't know if they're trying to be PWG, but they've hired a lot of people that were in PWG, let's be honest. Like a lot of the original PWG roster right now, if they're not in WWE with guys like you know Kevin Steen and the like, um, the rest of them are probably in AEW right now. And they're trying to do the home run derby every week with them where it's like hey we've got we've got the best wrestling cool but there there needs to be something behind it to make it interesting and right and we and i even think i said in the the stitch that like that the only thing that really separates wrestling from stuff like ufc is the fact that there are gimmicks and that there are storylines to really put it all together um but you'll know the people that make it the biggest in ufc right now the ones that are making the most money are the ones that kind of have a gimmick. It's just, you know, so I don't know. Well, but then, and,
1: and even UFC and the like, for them are have been stealing wrestling's gimmicks because, oh, exactly. like, you know, a lot of their big fighters are bigger than life characters now. Right. Because that's what
0: draws money. That's, you know...
1: Yeah, that's what keeps people interested. So it's an interesting idea. It's 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 kind of bizarre to point at AEW and think this of like, yeah, hey, uh, you know, spice it up a little bit because this is boring. You know, I, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily go that far, but I do think that they are in a situation where they need to kind of freshen up some things with. I don't know how much more interesting, you know, how much more eyes were on the product for a moment when Jericho was palling around with Luigi Primo for a couple weeks, you know, right. and not just, hey, it's wrestling and it's wrestling and we're going to wrestle, you know? Right. So I, I, I think there's room for that, especially when you're in the situation where you go, whoops-a-daisy, our entire like main event roster is all just like very good wrestlers who aren't really worrying about characters right now. And so it's like, all right, well, either you need to feed them some more characters to work with, or we need to start reevaluating, like, how are we presenting everybody?
0: Oh, they need to, uh, yeah. I wish them the best, and uh, and I never will understand, I think I've said this on the show before, but I don't care, I, I will never understand people that, like, openly seem to mock AEW situation and, and like looking for their demise. I, I just don't get why you would do that. <clears throat> Cause the whole reason, I think part of the reason a, that WWE has gotten interesting again recently is because they had AEW breathing down their neck for a moment there right. and they knew, Hey, we have to do something better because we're not doing this WCW shit again. Um, <laughs> right, right. Like, we had one company that almost tried to put us out of business. Bullshit, we're having that happen twice. And that kind of forced them to turn it around a little bit. Well, I was going
1: to say, Chad, it's time to get your shit in, pal.
0: uh, At IndyCast, I-N-D-Y-K-A-S-T on all social medias. You can find us uh, all over the place. Uh, unless you're going to TikTok, and then you should, again, look for uh, at IndieCast Maximus. Uh, that is me. You can find me there. Uh, buy our merchandise at FullyGimmicked.com. Uh, best place to go for that one. And uh, wherever you're listening to us right now, if you haven't subscribed already, you should do that. Like right now, it seems silly that you haven't. Um, you should be, uh, be one of our uh, dozens and dozens. Be a wrestling nerd <laughs> right along with us. And uh, that's about all I got today, Zach. What to, what shit do you have to get in? Uh,
1: Brain Buster Video. That's the big uh, thing right now. So um, we just passed 1,000 uh, followers on Instagram nice. uh, br- at Brain Buster Vid. Um, and we are still adding to our shop every month. Uh, we'll be on the uh, convention circuit scene once again. We are going to be appearing at uh, Tampa Bay Screams. Um, which I'm going to find out the date of just a second here. Uh, we're also going to be at uh, Spook Gala in the summer. Uh, let's see, April 14th and uh, Saturday, the 15th of April. Uh, Tampa Bay Screams at uh, in West Shore. It's going to be fantastic. They have announced a bunch of different guests, uh, some of which are being uh, sniped by other uh, conventions. Um, oh, really? But yeah, but we will be there in full effect. And, uh, Luna and I have actually completely redesigned the display for, uh, Brainbuster. We're going to have some full, uh, video shelves. We're going to have the full TV set up. It's going to be amazing.
0: Very nice. Yeah, so,
1: very excited about that. Um, so yeah, Brainbuster Video, follow us on social media.
0: Oh, you should do that. And, uh, well, excellent. Well then uh everybody uh thank you once again for listening to the IndieCast. Uh we appreciate you coming back. And uh for uh everybody until next time, uh, I am as always uh Cockulus Backsmith. I am generic podcast host. And until next time, everybody, we always say juices. Hope I don't poop today. Hercules Mulligan!
1: A jump scare is the Canadian destroyer of horror films.
0: Pardon me. Might I suck mine own dick for a second?
1: I'm ready to greet the day, you What's fucker. The- Every
0: single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. <laughs> it's that dirty-ass Meryl Streep. Me we too. are more touching wieners. touching wieners professionally.
1: Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am.
0: Is a big, queer, stone cold Steve Austin. Love Dick. Birds don't give a fuck about your life.